Father, your love is amazing. We are in awe of your great love for us that is never ending. And your love that reaches into each one of our lives and all the stuff that we deal with. And we thank you. We're here today because you love us. We pray that our worship would reflect our love for you and our gratitude for all that you have done for us and are doing for us and have promised to do for us. And we pray your blessing on this time of worship and ask this through Christ Jesus. Amen. I invite you to take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. I just want to mention a couple of things to you that uh, are in your bulletin. Uh, you may have noticed as you came in this morning, signs on the door about our elections today as for covenant members. And uh, we're doing something different this year and having the elections on a Sunday morning like this. So I just want to remind you uh, there will be uh, places to vote on the lower foyer, also in the Christian education foyer. And you can, uh, you can do that after this service or after Sunday school. Uh, either it will be uh, available for, for that uh, throughout the morning. Uh, tonight, we're also doing something new. Uh, instead of an annual meeting where we mainly discuss business, uh, this year we're going to do a vision meeting, and we're going to talk about, uh, hear some stories about some things that God has done in the life of our church this past year or so. We're going to have an opportunity to talk about um, where we think God is leading us as a church. And uh, some of the ways in which God has directed us and is directing us. And uh, we want your input about that. We'll have some small groups, uh, break that up into small groups and just talking about uh, where we see God working and ideas about that. And just uh, some things that to get your feedback and your input into uh, the processes that we see God working in us. And um, we also will just have an opportunity to pray some together. Uh, also, of course, you know, you can't have a gathering like that without having a little bit of food, right? So we will have some stuff. If you could bring a dozen cookies, a dozen bars, something like that to, to share, that would be great. And you'll see in your insert just a, a bit of information about tonight's meeting, 6 o'clock. We'll be done at 7.30, and we do have child care available during the uh, time. So if that is helpful to you, that also is available. So we hope you'll come tonight, whether you're a member or not. We'd love to have you be a part of the gathering this evening uh, at 6 o'clock. There are lots of other things happening in the life of the church, and you see information in the bulletin about that, things to pray about, concerns that we have uh, for us locally as well as around the world, and we pray God's grace on uh, each of our lives and His people. I want to ask the ushers to come and help us uh, in the giving of our tithes and offerings, and children ages 2 to 5 may be dismissed for Children's Church. There is a higher throne than all this world has known. We're faithful ones from every tongue. We'll one day come. 
together this morning. The, uh, the altar is open. If you have things on your heart that you would like to uh, pray about and pray specifically at the altar, I invite you at this time to come forward and you may be seated. Gracious Father, we praise you today. We thank you that you are the sovereign ruler of the universe. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And all creation bows low before you. Lord, you are our creator, our redeemer and our sustainer. And it's in you that we live and move and have our being. You have loved us with an everlasting love. 
And you have called us into covenant relationship with yourself. And so we have gathered here this morning, Lord, as your people, your church. This morning we come to add our hearts and our voices to the millions of believers around the world who are gathering in your name today. We're joining a mighty throng of worshipers, lifting up our hearts and hands in worship to you. We're simply stepping into that stream of never-ending praise and worship that constantly flows before your throne. You alone are worthy of our praise. Father, this morning we pray that you would enable us through the power of your spirit to live out your calling in our lives, to be the church, to announce your kingdom and your reign and to spread the love of Christ everywhere we go. Allow us by your grace to be agents of your grace in our world today. Father, you see our hearts And you know that many of us today have come with burdens and concerns that weigh us down, that threaten to derail our focus on you. I pray that you would quiet and still our hearts before you, O God. You care about the details of our lives. You care about the pains and the sorrows that we bear. I pray that you would meet each one of us here this morning right at our point of need. Father, we pray for those among us with health concerns. We lift them up to you and ask for your healing touch in their lives. We think this morning of John Banker and Ryan Pennings and John and Gladys Andrews, Lynn Perry, Bill Roski, Emily Crickler, John Smith, Judy Gudekinst, Candy Wells, John and Mary McCormick, Clarence Wagenblatt, Lewis Case, and others, Father, who are not listed in the bulletin, yet have health concerns. We lift them up to you, asking for your healing touch. And we ask for a clear sense of your presence with them. We pray for those who are grieving the loss of a loved one. Be their comfort and hope today, we pray. And Father, we pray also for those who are discouraged, those who are depressed or despairing. Encourage their hearts. Be near them. Help them today, we pray. Lord, we lift up to you our country, our government, those people in positions of authority on local, state, and national levels. We just pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment. Help them in every way as they seek to lead this country. We thank you again for the privilege of gathering for worship. And Father, as we continue in worship now, we just pray for your special blessing and anointing and all that that we do and say, may you be glorified in our lives and in our worship today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Our scripture reading this morning comes from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Please stand and join us as we sing. My soul finds rest in God alone, my rock and my salvation, a fortress strong against my foes, and I will not be shaken. Though lips may bless and hearts may curse, and lies like arrows pierce me, I'll fix my heart on righteousness, I'll look to Him who
You may be seated. Please pray with me this morning. Open our ears, O God, that we might hear your truth. May your word and scripture fall fresh on our ears. May it shape the choices we make, the way we love, the priorities we set. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, our psalm for today, Psalm 46, is probably familiar to most of you. This is a very well-known, well-loved psalm. It's oft quoted. This psalm has been a source of comfort and hope for many people down through the centuries. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. This is a wonderful truth and a wonderful promise from God's word, isn't it? But my question for us this morning is, do we truly believe that? Do we truly believe it? Because on a very practical day-to-day basis, many of us tend to depend on our circumstances for our sense of security, for our sense of well-being, for our sense of peace and security. As you look at your own life this morning, what things make you afraid Most of you know that I'm a fan of Charlie Brown, Snoopy, and the Peanuts gang. Peanuts is often a profound commentary on life uh, that's hiding as a cartoon strip. Um, It features a group of child philosophers and theologians who are trying to find meaning uh, and make sense of life from a child's point of view. And in, uh, in one Peanuts cartoon, Linus goes to see Lucy, the psychiatrist, and, uh, Linus says, my life is full of fear and anxiety. The only thing that keeps me going is this blanket. I need help. So Lucy suggests a number of possible phobias in order to help him pinpoint the cause of his fear. Is he afraid of responsibility? Hypengeophobia. Afraid of cats? Allurophobia. Afraid of staircases? Climacophobia. Afraid of oceans? Philosophobia. I'm probably butchering all of these phobias, but oh well. Afraid of crossing bridges? Gepherophobia. And to all of these, Linus basically says, well, not exactly, maybe, sort of, could be, kind of. Until Lucy mentions pantophobia. And Linus asks, well, what's pantophobia? And Lucy says, the fear of everything. And Linus shouts out so loudly that he startles Lucy, that's it! Well, most of us probably aren't afraid of everything, but most of us are afraid of some things. Of course, common sense and wisdom dictates that that we have a certain healthy measure of fear of certain things. Uh, Some circumstances, it's good to have some, some fear. For example, I mean, a healthy fear of electrocution 
keeps us from sticking our hands in light sockets or flying kites in electrical storms or that kind of thing or swimming in a pond when it's storming. Uh, A healthy fear of being bitten and dying keeps us from playing with poisonous snakes. Um, A healthy fear of fast-moving cars and trucks keeps us from walking out into the street without looking both ways first. Oh, sometimes I question that wisdom with some of the college students, but... That's another story. <laughs> but most of, us, most of us struggle with fears that go beyond these sorts of healthy fears that we have. Most of us struggle with worry, with anxiety, with, with the stress that's uh, things that are related to, uh, that are beyond our control. Um, <clears throat> there are things that are wrong in our world and wrong with our lives. And we tend to worry about those things and stress about them. What are the things in your life that make you afraid? The reality is there are many things in our lives and in our world that that are wrong. We live in a fallen world. The news headlines yesterday were all about violence, death, and destruction. Three, charged in NATO terror conspiracy. Two, arrested in killing of USC graduate students. Woman charged with friends at stabbing murder. Mexican drug cartel battles leave 20 dead in continuing violence. These are the headlines. And there's potential for natural disasters too. Uh, You may have seen on the news that an earthquake registering 6.0 on the Richter scale hit northern Italy uh, uh, just yesterday. And um, I saw a headline saying that NASA is concerned about 4,700 Uh, Potentially dangerous asteroids lurking out there near Earth. Sickness and disease, they're they're rampant in our world. Cancer, heart disease, stroke, severe arthritis, and an entire host of other infirmities. Uh, They wreak havoc in the lives of countless people everywhere. I read of two women in the last couple of weeks whose lives have been threatened by some type of flesh-eating bacteria, causing at least one of these women uh, women to have to have uh, her feet and her fingers amputated. Some of you here this morning have suffered through painful sicknesses and diseases. You know firsthand the stress, the worry, the anxiety that comes from such things that such things can cause. A lot of people uh, have grave concerns about uh, the local, national, and global economy today and how it might affect their financial security. They're justifiably worried about uh, enormous deficits and uh, massive debt and out-of-control spending, the potential for runaway inflation, uh, and governments that don't seem to be willing to address the problems. With the U.S. economy just barely limping along and the the European Union in dire straits, maybe on the verge of dissolving, uh, some people believe that the global economy uh, may well be on the brink of collapse. Violence, war, natural disasters, sickness, disease, and death. These are all things that are truly wrong in our world. Uh, And as such, they can cause us to fear. In the third century, a man named Cyprian wrote the following words. He said, This is a cheerful world as I see it from my garden under the shadows of my vines. 
But if I were to ascend to some high mountain and look out over the wide lands, you know very well what I should see. Brigands on the highways, pirates on the sea, armies fighting, cities burning, in the amphitheaters, men murdered to, to please applauding crowds, selfishness and cruelty and misery and despair under all roofs. It is a bad, bad world, Donatus, an incredibly bad world. Well, not much has changed really, has it, uh, since Cyprian penned those words. Life is full of uncertainties. Turmoil is never far from our existence in this life. All around us, things are constantly changing. And, and all too often, we are just simply completely powerless to do anything about it. And so we feel threatened. And how do we respond when we feel threatened? We fear. Fear is most often caused uh, by our lack of ability to control our world, uh, the people around us, or even our own lives. And so we begin to imagine the worst sometimes. Uh, we begin to play out all kinds of what-if scenarios. What if something happens to my kids, my spouse, my parents? What if this spot on my skin is cancer? What if I can't pay my bills this month? What if I lose my job? You know, I have to confess that I have wrestled with some of, uh, uh, some of these things in the last couple of months as, as uh, Mary and I have been exploring uh, possible future ministry possibilities. Uh, what if we don't find a church that's a good fit? Uh, what if where we end up going doesn't work out? What if, what if the church that's voting on us comes back to us with a bad vote? What then? And so we fear and, and we all have that kind of a response when, when there's uncertainty in our lives. And, and all too often, like, like Linus and his security blanket, we seek security in other things, things that end up being idols for us. Some seek security in material things. Some seek security in spouses, children, or other family members or friends. Some people seek security in their jobs. Some seek security in their physical bodies, uh, making their daily workout routine uh, their absolute top priority. Uh, and, and all of these things are good things in and of themselves, but if we hope to find our security in them, then we'll be sadly disappointed because all of these things ultimately uh, uh, turn up empty. Material things break, rust, fade, and wear out. Other people, spouses, friends, family members... Uh, children, they inevitably disappoint us or, or let us down. Jobs come and go. Our physical bodies slow down and eventually wear out. Nothing in this world is adequate to give us the level of security that deep down inside we all want and we all seek. The psalmist understood that true security and peace are only found in God. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 46 is one of the songs of Zion. It's divided into three stanzas with a refrain after the second and third stanzas. Uh, verses 1 to 3, verses 4 to 6, and verses 8 to 10 are the three stanzas. 
in verse 7 and verse 11 are the refrain, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I want to just look at, at these three stanzas in turn for a moment. And all of these stanzas show us very clearly that God's presence and his power bring peace into the lives of those who trust in him. God's presence and his power bring peace into the lives of those who trust him. And with that as a framework, I want to look at at three affirmations from this text this morning. The first stanza uh, basically affirms that, that God protects. God protects. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. A refuge is a place of safety. It's a hiding place, a place to escape the chaos around us. God provides that safety, that place of peace in the midst of the storms of life. He is our strength. He is strong no matter how weak we may be. He is the one who protects his people and fights on our behalf. He is an ever-present help in trouble, which leads the psalmist to declare, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. What an amazing statement of faith and trust. Even when the most solid, fixed, immovable things we know of in this life, the, the earth and the mountains, even when those things give way completely to chaos, instability, the roaring, raging sea, even when that happens, we will not fear. The psalmist is expressing complete confidence that God is in control of his creation. God is the one who, in the very beginning, in Genesis 1, created order out of the chaos. And so he is not threatened at all when his created order seems to give way to chaos. One commentary said that verse 3 in the Hebrew has almost a defiant tone to it. So that it would read something like this. Let the waters roar and foam. Let the mountains quake with their surging. It's almost, as, it's almost as if the psalmist is saying, bring it on. Let it come. Do your worst because I know that God is in control. He is my refuge and my strength. What an amazing statement of faith and trust in God. God alone is the ultimate place of safety and security. As long as God is present, I will not fear. And what does the psalm say? God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Now, this requires an eternal perspective because clearly all is not right with our world. Christians are subject to the fallen created order, just like everyone else. Christians are not immune from the violence of war, from persecution, poverty, or injustice. Sickness, disease, tragedy, and death are no respecter of persons, and bad things do happen to good people. You know that and I know that. Uh, we've all experienced that on some level. But as followers of Christ, we can face these realities without fear because we know and understand that God is on the throne and ultimately he will have the last word. Our souls are safe in him. That's the message of the psalm.
which leads us into the second stanza there in verse four. And this stanza affirms that God provides. God provides. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. The language here is the figurative language of grace, peace, and God's provision. The smooth flowing river with life-giving streams that bring joy and sustenance to God's people. Quite a contrast to the roaring, raging, chaotic waters in the first stanza. There actually was no river in Jerusalem. But again, it's a picture of God's grace. Ezekiel saw this river of God's grace flowing from under the threshold of the temple and expanding quickly into waters deep enough to swim in. These waters made the desert a wonderfully fruitful place. Ezekiel 47, 12 says, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. And the Apostle John had an almost identical vision in Revelation chapter 22. These pictures remind us that God's presence and his power are the source of healing, restoration, and abundant life. Even under siege, even threatened by external powers, the city of God is like the Garden of Eden because God is within her, restoring, renewing, blessing, and providing for her. Verse 5 says, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. God is providing abundantly for his people, even in the midst of chaos. And God is able to provide abundantly for us here today as well, regardless of our circumstances. We can experience his peace, his joy, his calm, even in the midst of uncertainties, dangers, difficulties, even threats to our existence. Why? Because God is with us. God is with us. He is there with us when life is good and all is well. And he is there with us when the bottom falls out and life falls apart. At the end of World War II, Allied forces uh, moved across Germany searching houses and farms and, and uh, uh, different structures looking for snipers. And at one abandoned house, really just a heap of rubble, they, they, uh, they found in the basement by flashlight uh, the words that, that a victim of the Holocaust had, had, had scratched in along with the Star of David. And uh, that person wrote this. They wrote, I believe in the sun even when it does not shine. I believe in love even when it is not shown. I believe in God even when he does not speak. And the psalmist affirms that God is there with us even when we can't sense his presence at all. He will see us through and he will be there with us afterward, helping us pick up the pieces. He is there with us, providing for us, no matter what we may be facing or what we're going through. Which leads into the third stanza. And that simply uh, speaks to us of the fact that God prevails. God prevails. 
Verses 8 and 9 give us a picture of God's power over all the earth. And, it, and they give us a glimpse of God's ultimate plan for the future. Ultimately, God will bring peace. It says, He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. In verse 10, God himself has the last word when he speaks forcefully and directly to the nations. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God is basically saying to the nations, enough. Be still. Give up making war on my people because I am their protector and their provider. I am their refuge and strength and my purposes will prevail. Life may seem uncertain and shaky now, but but at the end of the day, we can proclaim confidently that God is on the throne. We see this confidence in the prophet Habakkuk when Judah was about to be invaded by the Babylonians. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in God my Savior. I will be, uh, the, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. And as Paul said, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He goes on to say, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. God will have the last word in human history. Chaos will be no more, and all who trust in him will live in peace and safety. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. As these stanzas make clear, God is with us, and God is for us. God's presence and his power bring peace to those who trust in him. And so we have a choice. We can choose to go with the advice of that great philosopher, Charlie Brown, who said, I have a new philosophy. I'm only going to dread one day at a time. Or we can take to heart and echo the testimony and faith of Cyprian. Remember Cyprian? Listen to his words. You heard part of it at the beginning. It is a bad, bad world, Donatus, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people, Donatus, are the Christians, and I am one of them. Cyprian was martyred for his faith in the third century. And like the psalmist here, Cyprian found his peace and his security in the Lord. Well, I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what causes you fear or worry or anxiety. 
Maybe you're out of work or maybe you're concerned about your job security. Maybe you're worried about the economy or how you're going to make it financially. Maybe you or someone you love is dealing with an illness or or a sickness. Maybe you're experiencing family problems or broken relationship. I don't know what it is that robs you of peace, but I know that the words of this psalm are true and they are for you. They are for us. They are for God's people. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. The refrain in verses 7 and 11 powerfully reiterates and emphasizes the main point of the psalm, that true peace and security come only from the presence and power of God in our lives. Our confidence remains in the fact that the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. These are the verses that were the inspiration for one of the all-time great hymns of the faith, penned by Martin Luther himself, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. God is on the throne. His presence and His power bring peace. He protects, He provides, and He prevails. Will we trust Him this morning? Let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you that you are indeed the refuge and strength of those who trust in you. Enable us through the power of your spirit at work in us to hear and to heed your word to the nations because it is for us too. Help us to be still and know that you are God. And help us to respond to our circumstances, troubles, and difficulties, not with fear, but with faith. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand and sing with us. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give by your plan. That's just the way it is. You are not a God created. any mortal man you are not a god in need of anything we can give by your plan that's just the way
Receive the benediction this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.